in Ezekiel 37, and I don't know, as I guess I've been doing, I've not been reading a long portion. We'll just walk down through this verse by verse. We'll start in verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. So we'll, we'll walk on down through this as we go. You can be seated. Um, but here the, the Lord now is going to give Ezekiel a vision. And when I say this, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe the Lord couldn't do it. Because I believe that when He returns, everybody's going to get up. But I believe here the Lord's giving him a vision. He's going to be carried out in the Spirit. God's going to come by and carry him in a vision and let him to see something, just as he did John in the book of Revelation. Very uh, uh, close to the same language we see here as we see in Revelation. But God's going to make something known to Ezekiel. This is not done for fun, as nothing that God does is just for fun or for a placeholder. But God's revealing to man this redemption and salvation that He's going to bring to pass. Some of my favorite scripture is in chapter 36, where He's prophesying and revealing what God is going to do for man to deliver him from sin. So here He's going to show him a valley full of bones. There's many bones and they're very dry. Now, here is a place, and you know, I, I realize, in our world today, people don't think man's really dead. But I believe it's this simple. God said in the garden, in the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Now, either they died the day that they ate it, or God lied. But see, because this man's living and breathing and walking and talking, well, we're not dead. But it's spiritual death that he's talking about. He, he explains it in, in other ways through the book as darkness. Man's in darkness. Man is in a state of deadness. He's blind to the gospel. It's ever bit words to describe the same condition. Man has failed in sin and under the curse of the law, and he can no longer approach or come to God on his own. And I believe right here, here's a picture that you and I can see and understand what state that mankind is today in spiritually towards God. Here's a valley of bones. You know, if you had a valley of bodies, that'd be one thing. But these are much far more far gone than bodies that's in the morgue or at the funeral home. These have decayed plumb to bones. There is no organs. There's no skin left. But even farther than that, the bones are not together as they ought to be. And there's not even any marrow left inside of the bones. But they're dry. They're very dry is what the Word of God says. So now you tell me then, how... Can these bones do anything for themselves? They are in a state that they are absolutely helpless. And can they be made alive? I mean, mankind today, through religion, through tradition, he thinks he's working 
to bring people to spiritual life. Well, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and we're going to get people saved. We'll get them to make a profession. But now, what's Ezekiel in his ability and in his power and in his wisdom? What can Ezekiel do to bring these bones back to life? Is there anything that any man or that all of man in his wisdom put together can do to bring the bones back to life. I, I believe, I believe this is true, if the heart stops for two minutes, there's an extremely low likelihood that you're going to be revived. And if you are, you're going to be greatly damaged. So man then, from the time this heart stops, you've got about two minutes to revive, and after that, there's no hope. Well, here's bones. I don't know how long they've been there. They've been there for quite some time. It looks like they've been separated. Now, they didn't do that themselves, but no doubt the coyotes or the wolves, they've come through and they've gnawed and they've separated these bones one from another. They've been laying in this place for a long while, and they've come to a place that they're beyond helping themselves or another man helping them out. There must be then, if they're going to live, God's going to have to act. Wouldn't you say that's the case? That's the state that mankind as a whole is in today. If you're saved, this is the state that you were in when you were lost. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I was ever in that bad a shape. That's what people think today. Well, we weren't really completely dead. Well, is there stages of dead? It's either dead or it's not. And if it's dead, it is dead. It doesn't respond to commands. It's not going to move on its own. It's got absolutely no ability nor knowledge nor understanding to do anything for itself. But if, if there was a coon out here in the road or a possum that had been run over and was dead, you know how long it's going to lay there? It's going to lay there till something else, an outside power, acts upon it to move it. Well, that's where mankind is. He says in Ephesians, this is some well-known scriptures, in Ephesians chapter 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So by the word of God, this is where all of mankind was. The only ones that are not dead are the ones that God has quickened by His Spirit and by His Word. And that's the way God chose to quicken. So back over here in the valley, here's mankind. He's dead towards God and he can't lift himself up by his bootstraps. I mean, you know, I might quit drinking and I might quit cussing and I might say, well, you know, I'm going to be a better daddy and I'm going to be a better person and I'm going to work a little harder and I might do better naturally, but spiritually and down in the heart, I cannot approach to God because I've broken the law of God, I'm no longer righteous and I'm guilty in God's eyes. See, there's a problem. There's sin. Sin's got to be dealt with. He says in Hebrews, 
that every transgression and disobedience must receive a just recompense of reward. So if, if I do better then, and I get to the place that I'm living perfect, and I don't sin anymore for the rest of my life, can I approach to God then? I can't, because I've, I've already sinned. I've already worked out a debt. If I've got a credit card, and I swipe a $1,000 debt on it, and then I put it up and say, I cut it up. I ain't going to use that anymore. Well, does my debt go away? Absolutely not. It's still there. That's got to be paid for. Well, that's the way man is. See, he's got a debt. He has sinned. He's broken the law. And by the Word of God, he is worthy of death. Not just dying and being buried in the grave. If that's all we had to worry about, then we ought not be here. But it's after this death, the judgment, and being cast into the lake of fire which burneth forever and ever. A place of torment, a place of punishment, a place of pain and suffering in order to pay for the sins. So me doing better, while it may not be any more sin added on, it's already too late for me. I've already sinned, and I'm already dead, and I'm already guilty before God. So you see, doing better in the flesh is so vain. It's absolutely worthless, and it's deceiving. It gives man a false hope of life after this. Well, I I tell you, you can do better. Man can do better. Man has got programs to help man do better. Man's got programs to help him with addiction. We've got programs to help him to be a better parent. We've got ways to educate and try to make man better and act and live better. But man has not got any way that sin can be done away with and purged from his life that he could be just and righteous in God's eyes. What are we going to do with our guilt that we've already brought up against ourselves. Well, we're going to ignore that. I'm going to take that bill that I get every month and I'm just going to shred it up without even opening it and I'm not going to worry about that. Now, we've all lived long enough. We all have enough common sense to know that that's not going to get me anywhere. That they're going to come for me. They're going to come and get what belongs to them. Ignoring and pretending and saying none of these things happen, that's not going to work with God because we've got the debt and the debt has to be paid for. God's righteous and He's just and He's holy and God says that every sin, every single sin, every transgression... Every disobedience, there must be a just and equitable and fair by the law of God punishment for those sins. So my God, if if the wages of sin is death, and again, not the grave, but the wages of sin is death in hell forever, a spiritual death, 
then every sin that I've committed is worthy of. Lord, have mercy. What do I owe? I can't do any better either. And I tell you the God's truth, as deceived as man is, man cannot be reformed. Man cannot do better. The, the law of God, the first law, I believe we all know it. I thought it was on the wall here. You know what the first commandment was? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. How are you doing with that law? Would you say you've measured up to that this week? No, uh, we've broken that law. We've broken that commandment. Uh, we don't need to look any farther. The Bible tells me that if I'm guilty in one point, that I'm guilty of the whole law. So I can say, well, I didn't do this this week, but I've broken it somewhere and I'm guilty. Boy, I tell you what. I'll tell you where we are. We're dead in a valley. We're like these bones that are scattered and there's no hope now of life ever coming to them. They on their own have... And you can see that. You can see these bones scattered out. Can they ever live again by their own ability? Absolutely not. Can man be saved by his ability and by his doing, he absolutely cannot be saved. Why, we'll come to God whenever. God said it wouldn't give him. You can't come to me except the Father draw. I tell you, it's not of man. Man can't produce it. Man is as dead spiritually as the valley full of dry bones was. They are unable to help themselves. That's where man's at. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? So, can they? This is Ezekiel's answer. O Lord God, Thou knowest. You remember what Mary and Martha said when Lazarus was in the tomb? He's been dead four days and he stinks. I'm the resurrection. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I know that he's going to rise again at the last day. You know what she's saying? She knew that God was able to get him up, but she didn't see him getting up at that moment. Well, Ezekiel says, Lord, thou knowest. Do you know how man's going to live? By the power of God getting him up. Ezekiel can't help them, and they can't help themselves. Even though, you know, as we have a desire to be a help, as we would have a desire to be a benefit, the God's truth, I can't help my family to come to know God. I can't bring them to life. I can't bring them to salvation. Though, listen, again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now think about what kind of sense that makes to the flesh. 
speak to these bones and tell them to hear. How are they going to hear? They don't even have ears and eardrums to hear. When Jesus cried to Lazarus in the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. How is Lazarus going to hear? Well, you just got to get up and preach and it's up to man to hear and decide what he's going to do with it. There's no way. The bones, they're unable to hear of themselves. Lazarus, except something's working in him, he is unable to hear of himself. There must be a working of God behind every bit of this as it's going on. You see that? You ever seen somebody talk to their loved one as they're in a casket? I've never seen one respond, have you? I've seen them be kissed before. They didn't know they were being... They had nothing in them. That's where man is. Though they may come and sit under the gospel and hear preaching, I did that. I went to the church and I sat under the gospel and I heard preaching. And the God's truth is I was guilty. And I had sin dripping all over me. But you know, I was unaware of a problem that I had. I could not, though I knew the Word of God, had a somewhat knowledge of the law, had a knowledge of what sin was, I was unable to hear that for me. There had to be a power from God to work. But you know what we're commanded to do? Prophesy to the bones. Well, you're wasting your time there because them people ain't going to hear. What would they have said to Ezekiel as he's standing and speaking to a bunch of dry bones? These times that's about what it feels like. But I tell you by the power of God, as God knows and as God sees fit, He can bring dry, dead bones to life. Son of man, prophesy. And that's as He commanded. Paul said, I'm ready now to preach the gospel to you also that be at Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. i tell you what Paul was. He was hated for the gospel. He was chased after for the gospel. He was stoned for the gospel. He was persecuted and thrown in prison for the gospel. He was mocked and made fun of and laughed at for the gospel. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it because I know that this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe. This is the means that God has chosen to move and to bring man from the dead. Prophesying to these dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. So let's think about now a couple of these words. That word breath there in verse number 5. That's the same word in verse number 1. The Spirit of the Lord. It's the same Hebrew word. It's translated differently. And I'm not a scholar, but I've got a Strong's Concordance. And if you've got one, if you've got a computer, you can look it up and you can see it. It's easy. That's why we're able to do it. But it's the same word. So what's God saying? I, we, behold, I will cause breath. I'll cause my Spirit 
to enter into you, and ye shall live to have life or to revive. God is going to, by the Spirit and power of God, bring life into that that's dead and hopeless. God is going to bring that that's in the graveyard. My God, you talk about dead, you talk about sinful, you talk about guilty and worthy of judgment, but God, by the prophecy of the Scripture, that word, that don't mean to foretell anything. If you look that up, it means to speak or to sing by inspiration. It's that that's inspired, not of the flesh, but of the power of God. So God, through the speaking of the Word of God, and the Spirit of God entering into them, He's going to bring them to life. You see how both of those are necessary. Speaking the Word alone is not enough to bring a man out of sin and into salvation. I I believe you know that. How many times have you seen the Word preached and dead people sitting in the house of God and they don't hear? Whether you believe it or not, I believe it happens every time we get together. These dead people that hear the Word of God and they're never brought to life. It's not the Word of God's fault. The Word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Do you know who's going to be able to live? Those that the Spirit of God, the breath of God enters into. So I will cause breath. And notice who's doing this now. This is not the bones making up their mind. This is not man saying, I'm going to do this. But God says, I'm going to cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. This is going to be a work to the glory and to the praise of God. And I will, again, God's working. I will lay sinews upon you, that's tendons, and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Now can the bones bring sinew upon themselves? I'll tell you what they do. They go the other way. Naturally speaking, they don't grow into a body, but a body decays down into nothing. That's the natural way. That's the natural way of man. He says by nature. He says in Jude that they as natural brute beasts. You want to know the way man left to himself will go? I believe you know this scripture. A child left to himself will bring what? Shame. If I don't give them any correction or discipline, how are they going to wind up at 16 years old? Even with it, how are they going to wind up? I tell you, man's natural disposition is downward. Man's disposition is not to come to God. No, otherwise, the Word of God says, there's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that comes to the gospel. There's none that's desiring the right thing. But they've all together become filthy. I'll tell you what's happening. Man is naturally going downward away from God into sin and into guilt. But God's going to reverse it here. The natural process of decay, God's power is going to turn the bones back into a body. That's what He's doing. 
I will bring up flesh and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. So what am I doing versus what God's doing? God's took the dry bones. God's inspired the word to be spoke to me. God has brought my bones back together. God has put sinews upon me. God has caused flesh to come upon me. And God has put breath in me. And you know what I'm doing? I'm living as a result of it. This is God's work bringing me from death unto life. Man, man wants something to hold on to for himself and there's no place for me to take credit for any of this. This is to the praise of the glory of God that done the work. I tell you, when this is done, ye shall know that I am the Lord. It'll be recognized that, well, you know what they were? They were without hope. Why, those bones, I never expected that one to ever be saved. I never thought that they had ever come to the knowledge of the truth. I never thought that they had be delivered from their sin. And yet, here they are. God has saved them, and they're alive today by the power of God. And we say, thank God for His wondrous works of redemption for us. God did this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. So look that word up. That word means interesting. That word means to call aloud. A voice. So the man of God is speaking the Word, and as he is speaking the Word, he hears another voice. Not his voice, but another voice calling aloud. See, that's what we desire and pray to God for, realizing our inability, the God's truth, to really affect your heart and to change your life, and to make you any better. As we pray and as we study, we pray, God, that Your grace might work upon us and might work upon those at the house of God as well, opening our understanding and our minds and helping us all to hear the Word of God. You're going to have to hear more than Joseph's voice, than Mike's voice, or Paul Sluter's voice if you're going to come to the salvation that Almighty God has purchase you in Jesus. Why, preacher, Ezekiel's voice is enough? Absolutely not. Ezekiel's going to be speaking as he's directed. Now, I'm directed to speak. I'm directed to preach the Word of God. Be instant in season and out of season. But this other voice, I tell you the God's truth. If I could get up and fly to glory every time I preached, I'd choose to do that. I wouldn't struggle. I wouldn't be down here trying to, to dig for a word. I wouldn't be under a weight just trying to... Sometimes it's hard. There's times that it's not easy. There's times that God takes you literally to glory. And it's the most enjoy. I tell you, that's what I do every time. 
And if there's lost people there, if I had the power, I'd speak to their hearts. But that's out of my hands. It's out of my power. It's out of my control. I do like I'm commanded. And I trust that God will do as He pleases. I, I realize, I realize a lot of this goes against the grain of tradition. But I, I believe with all my heart that this is the Word of God. In John chapter number 1, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How are these sinners born again? By God and God alone. What you and I do, what you and I think, what you and I desire, he says in Romans, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that sheweth mercy. God's getting the glory for this work. Behold a noise, and behold a shaking. Now what's being shook? As I'm thinking about this, I think about an earthquake. Have you ever known a man that can bring about an earthquake? Is there any that's ever had the ability to shake the earth? Absolutely not. So this wasn't Ezekiel producing the shaking either. There was a voice from God and there was a work going on. i tell you what's going to happen. Lo, and the bones came together bone to his bone. God is bringing these bones back together and not out of place or out of joint. God's putting them back together the way that they go. Every bone to his joint. Every bone back to his body. Why a man could go. And i tell you what I heard. I'm not trying to be silly in the least bit. Don't leave me here. But I heard, I read this past week that the T-Rex could be three different species. They don't know. They've dug up bones. They've put them together the way they think. But now they think all of that's wrong. Could be three different animals that they've put together. Now that's what man would do. If you put man out here and he began to try to piece these bodies back together, do you think they'd get everyone just right? No, we'd have a toe on the wrong one. We'd have a femur out of place and with another body. But I tell you what God knows. He knows exactly where they go. He knows how to put them together. And He knows how to bring life back to them. What ought we to do? I tell you what we ought to do. We ought to follow and be obedient to Him and let God do the digging. I tell you what God can do. Daddy didn't come by and shake me. I believe there was time. Man, my daddy would have liked to have come by and grabbed me by the shoulder and said, Son, you need to wake up. You need to see where you're going. You need to look at what you're doing. God couldn't, Daddy couldn't shake me out of that. But I tell you one night, I was sitting on a second row right beside my mama and she didn't touch me either. But I tell you, God by with His Word one night and I heard a noise and God shook me and He didn't just shake my body. He shook me down in the inward man and I was afraid. I believe if you ever sit through an earthquake, I believe you'll get afraid. 
I was sitting at college one night, sitting on a, at a desk at my computer in my little dorm, and my computer screen started doing this. And I thought, what in the world? Finally figured out it was just a little earthquake. But boy, I tell you what it done. When that started, I got to looking to see what was the problem. It's not natural that the building, a four-story building, shake like that. There was a power from somewhere that was shaking my dad. I tell you what God done. He come by and I tell you what I was. I was dead. I was a body. I was dry bones. And God shook me and woke me out of the slumber of death. Oh, He made me afraid. And the bones came together. Bone to His bone. I'm going to tell you. These wasn't in the shape that you could just hook an AED up and do a little CPR and get them back to life. If I fall up right now, you might do a little CPR and help me make it. But if it's scattered bones, there's nothing to do CPR on. It's not as simple as, well, we'll just drop an elbow on their chest and they'll start a coughing and get up. These are in a place that there's no hope for them. There's got to be a miraculous work done before they can ever come to life. Do you see that? They're going to have to be put back together, tendons and muscles come up on them, and skin cover them up, their organs be remade. All of this is going to have to happen before they can ever live. You know what he says in Isaiah? The Word of God, it'll be line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. You know what God done? He took the schoolmaster of the law and He taught me what was good first. He taught me young, man. You learn the commandments. You learn you shouldn't lie. You learn you ought to listen to your mom and daddy. He began to teach me that. You know what that was? That was the start of a work to bring me to life. Because if I don't know what's good, I'll never know what's bad. God began to teach me then through Sunday school preaching what sin was. I didn't have any idea what sin was. And man left to himself. I tell you, look at the blame world and look at the thinking of the United States of America. You tell me that man knows what sin is. What's wrong? Man's blind. He's blind. If our gospel be hid, it's in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. You know what's going to have to happen for them that are blind to come to salvation? Their eyes are going to have to be opened. See, this is line upon line Precept upon precept. I've said this many times. My boy didn't start kindergarten and pick up a book and start reading. It don't jump right to reading. But they learn the ABCs. They learn the phonics and the sounds that they make. They learn some sight words. They learn how to sound out. And through practice and work, 
line upon line, they begin with the basic building block of the alphabet, and before long they're up there to where they can pick up a book and read it to you. But it don't happen instantly. See, there's got to be a schoolmaster to bring me to Christ. I've got to know what good is. I've got to know what sin is. I've got to know that Jesus died to pay for sin. And then i tell you what happened. I knew all of those things, though. I knew every bit of it. I knew that sin was sin. I knew that I sinned. But I could justify that. And everybody sins. And I'm not that bad. And I'm not that evil. I knew what God required. But in my mind, well, that's what I ought to strive for. I ought to try to do those things. That's not what the law's for. The law's not there for me to try hard and do better. But the Bible says in Ro- Oh, preacher, that's wrong. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that the law was given that every mouth might be stopped and that every man become guilty before God. You know why God give me the law? That I can look at it and say, My God, I'm so far from God, I've got no hope of ever coming to Him. Where does that leave me? Looking for a Savior that can redeem me out of that pitiful place. But it's line upon line. Precept upon precept. Bone came to bone. Muscles began to form. And organs began to form. And skin comes upon. And before long, you've went from a valley full of dry bones to a bunch of dead bodies. Now that's a great miracle. Ain't it? You've went backwards now. I don't know how many years... But you've turned time backwards and these bones have become bodies again. They've left decay. And, but you know what they are? They're just as dead still as they ever were. You know what man with great knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures, I've heard it said, while they can't be lost, they know the Bible too good. Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they knew the Bible good. The high priest in Jesus' day, he knew what the Old Testament said. But you know what that did for them? They rejected the Savior and they died lost. Knowledge is not enough. Knowing what's good is not enough. Knowing that the Lord Jesus died is not enough. That knowledge will leave us dead. What's got to happen? Skin covered them, but there was no breath. What's missing? It's the same word. The Spirit. In verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord. In verse 9, verse 8, there was no breath, no Spirit in them. You know where a multitude of people are? They know... I've seen, I read, I've been taught, I try hard, and I do good, but you get it right down, and there's no Spirit of God in them. You know what they are? They're just as dead as the dry bones out in the world. The work's not done with a dead body. God's bringing to life. Then He said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, 
Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. That word breathe. See, as I read this now in my natural thinking, He's going to prophesy, the wind's going to blow over them, and they're going to come to life. But if you look up the meanings of these words, it's a little more intimate than that. So breath, breathe on them to puff, to inflate, or to kindle. So you've got the picture there of a fire that you're trying to get going. Have you ever done it? you ever been trying to get a little fire going? We're forcing air in there to try to kindle the fire up. That's what God's going to do to these. He's going to come down and puff air into them. It's like CPR. You get them down and you hold their nose. You're putting your breath. They can't breathe for themselves. They're unable. They're dying. And you use your strength to put air in them. You know what God did? He came by an old dead body, one that was fallen, one that was sinful, and by the Spirit of God, He breathed into me life, and I became a living soul. Well, preacher, that's what happened in the garden. It is. And He fell, and He died. Right? I tell you, man's dead. Lord, he's dead. And except God do a work, he'll never live. Now tell me this. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath, the Spirit, came into them, and they lived to have life, to revive, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Did they have any choice in that? Did they say, no, no, Lord, we're, we're going to stay dead. We like being dead better. I want you to turn me back to bones. Man thinks that he's got that kind of authority and power. But I tell you what happened to me. I believe we've got Bible to back it up. I believe Paul the Apostle, he was, a, he was a dead man, wasn't he? He was persecuting the church. He held the coats of them when they stoned Stephen to death. He was going down to Damascus to throw in prison anybody that followed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a dead man. His mind was made up. He was going to do as he thought was right. But when God enlightened him, on the Damascus Road. Did he want to go back to the way he was before? He realized by the enlightenment of God that he was dead. God did not drag him to be saved. God didn't drag me either. He didn't. But I tell you, when he enlightened me, I didn't want to stay dead anymore. I didn't want to face the judgment. I wanted to come to life and I wanted to be saved. I tell you what happened here. God breathed on them and they everyone stood up on their feet. God brought them from death unto life. He resurrected them. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2 again, we read the first couple of verses there earlier. Here we are. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind were by nature the children of wrath 
even as others. There we are, sinful, rebellious, going against God. But what happened? What happened that if you're saved, you're no longer under the prince of the power of the air and serving the lusts of the flesh as you were before? If you're saved, what happened for you to get there? But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Have you ever noticed the second verse of that amazing grace that we sung? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. What did I do in any of that? It was the grace of God that brought me first, that shook me, that woke me up, that showed me I was lost, that showed me I was dead, and it was grace that brought me out of that. And so it's to the praise of the glory of His grace that He quickened us and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Almighty God acted on a bunch of dead bones and brought them to life. And folks, if God don't pass by the valley of dead bones, are they ever going to live? It's impossible, isn't it? Well, if God doesn't pass by us, are we going to live? No, I tell you, man left to himself. I don't think I ever finished that verse. A child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. If God doesn't act, there will be no life brought. Now listen, verse 11. Then He said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. That's where we everyone are. And if you have not had the resurrecting power of God, that's where you are today. There's no hope in self. I tell you, outside of God acting upon the lives of man, man has no hope of ever coming to life. What ought we to do? Prophesy. Speak by inspiration. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I the Lord have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. That's several verses. But I want to go back through that slowly, and I'm almost done, I promise. But look at what it says and the words that God put in here. Ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. I didn't open my grave. Could Lazarus roll the stone away from his grave? 
What rolled that away? Maybe a disciple. Maybe. Maybe a couple disciples. But you know when they done it? When the Lord said, move the stone. They were acting under inspiration. They were. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. See, man says today, look, God opens the graves and you can come out or you can stay in there. Whatever you want to do. It's up to you. You've got to decide. You've got to do. I tell you what God's doing here. He's opening the grave and He's bringing them out of there. They're not staying. They're not choosing to come out or stay. I'll open the graves and I'll bring you up out and I shall put my Spirit in you. This ain't laying on of hands and man doing it. But God says, I'm going to open. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to put my Spirit and my breath in you and you're going to be alive. Is there any glory left for them? No, I tell you what's going to be decided when God does this work, that He is the Lord. That He's the one that's in control. And I shall place you in your own land. I tell you, you, you might take that and you might say that's for a time way down the road and in the future for a people that's of the lineage of Abraham. You, you might do that. But I believe you can see here the spiritual vision that God's give Ezekiel and the work that he's talking about is the work of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ that He's bringing His people up out of the graves and into life. And you know what God says? I'm going to put you in your own land. I'm going to give you a place. I believe David said it like this. He pulled me out of the miry clay and He didn't set me back down in it, but He set me on a solid rock and He established my goings. He brought David out of sin and He gave him somewhere that he could live the rest of his days. Why, preacher, we got so many that's backslid. I I do not believe that for one minute. God got me up. God saved me. God put me in my land. It's God that keeps me there. I tell you what people need. They need to be resurrected. This is God's work. It ain't my work. I don't have to call and make sure the church is going to get together today. Are you going to come? Or are you going to stay home today? You better come. You know, you know, you ought to come to church. You ought not stay at the house. I, they don't, I don't reckon Greg has ever had to call me and say, Joseph, son, where you been? You need to be at church. Son, you ought not be doing like that. I tell you what I've got. I've got breath in me and God gave me a place to live and He keeps me there by His power and I cannot fall out of His hand. Preacher, that's awful boastful. That's the Word of God. They're in my hand and no man can pluck them out of my hand and my Father is greater than all and we're in my Father's hand. I tell you what they are. Them that are saved, they are secure and they will never be lost. You know what's wrong? People have never been resurrected. They're just as dead as they were in the valley of dry bones. Ye shall know that I the Lord 
have spoken it to arrange. <coughs> That's what that word means. It's a picture of this that I'm going to give a speech Monday morning. I'm going to get up and make me some notes with some bullet points and I'm going to arrange what I'm going to say. I tell you, God arranged this. God is the plan maker. Well, preacher, He's left it. He's left it up to man. Who would be saved then? If we're talking about dead, dry bones, well, I'm just going to leave it up to them. No, I tell you, God arranged it. God done a work. I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't choke on it. God done a work in me that I didn't want done. I didn't want to be saved. I didn't want to have to do better. I didn't want to live like the church. I want. I tell you what I wanted to do. I wanted to pretend sick and go fishing. I wanted to lie and do my own thing. But I tell you, when God got a hold of me, He done a work that I did not want done. He changed my mind and it didn't take Him a week. He didn't have to come talk to me every night of revival. There's a lot of silliness goes on. That's not of the Lord. The preacher didn't have to come and talk me into it. God woke me up one night and He said, Son, you're coming out of here. And I said, Glory to God, I'm coming out. Was Paul looking to be saved on the road to Damascus? Absolutely not. You know what he was doing? He was dry bones laying in the field going after his natural course. But thank God that he stops man in his natural course and brings him to life. If God don't, then there's no hope. That's all that's on our heart. I'm sorry for being long. I feel like I was long.